Hello, and welcome to No Such Thing as a Bad Movie podcast. I'm April Atmansky, and I'm here today with... Justin DeClue. And Colin Cunningham. And this week, we switched gears a little bit. Switch gears, get it, guys? Because we watched No Deposit. <laughs> Wait, no, no it's actually a joke about maximum, maximum overdrive. overdrive. No, I got it. Yeah. That, that was a joke. It was a double joke, guys. Oh wait, right, that was a reverse not, joke. It's not funny. It's a, it's a reverse joke. <laughs> wait, reverse? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. We'll get to maximum overdrive. So the first movie you watched this week was No Deposit, which is a movie from 2015, I believe. I was shocked at that, by the way. <laughs> yes, um, by uh, local legend Frank D'Angelo. A uh, local Canadian legend, specifically in Toronto. Frank D'Angelo is a uh, business mogul. He has a line of energy drinks that was famous for having the catchphrase being, wait, what's the name of the guy that like, at the Olympic runner? Who oh, it was got- Ben Johnson. Ben Johnson. Notorious where- cheater. He did, he got caught with And the tagline was cheetah energy drinks. And he's like, I love to cheetah all the time. Yeah. That oh, was yeah. the commercial. That was bad. And Frank D'Angelo also owns a restaurant called the Forget About It Supper Club. Yeah. He has an infomercial every week on Rogers TV called Being Frank. It's like his own talk show. Yeah, where he like just that. basically shills his movies and his albums. He sings so much music. He's a man of many talents, and I don't feel like he's as um, kind of well-known in the, you know, kind of bad movie atmosphere. Well, the flop house kind of made mm-hmm. him a little bit infamous, and yeah. that was actually because of someone that I know handed the flop house gang oh, a copy right. of No Deposit. Yeah, Dan Barube. <laughs> Uh, gave it to him. Uh, the man who also started the famous Ding Dong Gate from Castle Freak. <laughs> That's oh right. Oh my God. <laughs> but like Frank D'Angelo is so weird in that he is one of these uh, vanity project uh, mm-hmm. filmmakers. Yeah, like, like kind of like Neil Breen or Tommy yeah, Wiseau. Everything is self-funded. And I, I just, it's so strange because he is, he acts like this like New York gangster but he is in from t- Toronto. He's born in Toronto. Yeah. yeah. So it's like very, the, very Canadian. And all his films are shot around like Scarborough and like <laughs> Hamilton which are on the outskirts of Toronto but he, they always try to pass off as New York and they'll be like well, stock it, footage. This opens like with tons of stock footage of <laughs> yeah. flyovers of New York yeah. and then it immediately cuts to him driving in his car in Scarborough. So No Deposit is about uh, Michael Pore, the star <laughs> of the Walter Hill classic Streets of Fire. Okay now first of all this cast is Padded. It's yes, like the stacked. names you're just watching the, the opening me, credits. Not padded. The movie is <laughs> oh, padded. Oh, sorry, sorry. The, the, pad, st- yeah, the cast right. is stacked. That's what I meant. And you have people like Michael Pere, who is on the outs with his wife, who kicks him out of the home. <laughs> this is in real life, not in the movie. <laughs> no, in the movie. <laughs> and you have people like Art Hindle, star of movies like Black Christmas and the Invasion of the Body Snatchers remake, who's his brother, whose nagging wife forces to kick Michael Pere out. Uh, the women in the, this movie. The mo- Every woman in this film is terrible and is shrewish Gross. and hates men. Yeah. But Michael Pere finds a friendship at the local dive bar that's run <laughs> by Paul Sorvino. And he meets yes. his besties, Michael Madsen and Daniel Baldwin. Daniel Baldwin, yeah. And which incite him in the same day into a life of crime and to go rob a bank. Now, I've just summed up <laughs> 65 minutes of the 75-minute movie. It's not there's even an, an hour and a half. It, there's a lot of padding in this movie. and. <laughs> Starting right from the get-go. So much well, I want to do right from the get-go what my favorite thing of this film, as we do on this podcast. Okay, and I have to go. My I'll go, favorite I'll thing go last. I'll go is last. the greatest man <laughs> on earth. Frank, Frank Dangelo. Frank <laughs> yeah. This right. movie, like all of his movies and his life, is uh, like celebrations of Frank D'Angelo. And how amazing <laughs> he is. He donates to charity. Everybody loves him. He'd sacrifice himself to like save a bank. Mm-hmm. He's he will rich. rip the gun out of a cop's hands just so he can take the shot himself. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. kills multiple bad guys in this movie. So Frank D'Angelo is barely in this film. He, well, there's a whole scene at the beginning. Yeah. So before the opening titles even come up and before the plot has sort of started, the movie's already probably 10, 15 minutes in. Yeah. We get an extended scene of him at his office. With <laughs> talking a, about with how a, amazing he is. With his money managers talking about... No. You're donating to too many charities. <laughs> this is his office in real life. He plays a character named... Frank uh, no, DeCangelo? It, it, isn't it like, <laughs> I think it's like Ricky or something like that. I can't remember. But it, he just shot at his own, Frank D'Angelo's own office because there's like posters of like his energy drink on the wall. Mm-hmm. Frank D'Angelo is also um, associated with Arnold Palmer and those Ooh. brands as well. Which uh, I love Arnold Palmer's. Yeah, I do too. But just remember, Frank D'Angelo was also accused of sexual assault. 
and it was a big deal. And he was... Um, he was acquitted. He was acquitted, but the judge <laughs> at the hearing said... I know you're guilty, but we don't have the evidence to prove it. <laughs> yeah, it's so so bad. just let you know that Frank D'Angelo, you know, he's involved in uh, shady sh- dealings. shady say, business. I thought that he was like a member of like the Toronto Mafia. Uh, mm-hmm. Toronto, is, is there yeah. a Toronto Mafia? I'm yeah. sure there is. Yeah. Uh, first of all, he, Listen, he's not from Toronto. It's like his uh, office he, is clearly in, like, in New York. No, it's, <laughs> it's Brooklyn. And first of all, Frank D'Angelo is the greatest man on the planet. I mean, why would he continually make movies? Where he says that. Uh, yeah. You know, criminals do not donate to charities. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, you know criminals I mean? don't go, I got lots of money. I'll help you do whatever you pay need. Off, pay off his mortgage. Pay off his mortgage. So, well, it's pretty funny. So we uh, get the intro and uh, there's a stock footage shot of like this huge glass tower in New York <laughs> and it has his name on the side of the building. <laughs> and then we cut to the interior of him showing up at the reception desk. And the reception desk is like quite a step down. It's clearly just like a warehouse in Scarborough <laughs> somewhere. It's like a dentist office. It's not quite that. Not you, even you said, a, no, like a dentist graphic- office would be nice. Slick. Yeah, it'd be nice. It's, it's like a low rent graphic This is like a dumpy warehouse for- <laughs> and it just has pictures on the wall of him in uh, uh, hockey equipment. Listen, he doesn't want his fans to find him <laughs> so they're true. on the outskirts. Yeah. He's like Drake. You ever hear the story that Drake is like... Um, his offices are like in a cookie factory or used really? to be a cookie, so it always smells like cookies when you go to Drake's uh, uh, offices. Hey, I know where there's a cookie factory on the West End Ooh, of Toronto. Ooh, then maybe Drake is there. <laughs> there's, one yeah. of, there's one at Young and St. Clair. <gasps> that neighborhood does smell like cookies. Yeah. <laughs> so what was your favorite part, April? Oh my God, so many things. But um, to, You can't pick? Oh, I can't pick. Uh, I know. You're going to say Frank D'Angelo. <laughs> He's your favorite. I know. Well, I, okay. I'm angel. a good man. He's an angel. Not yeah. only that, like he casts other people in this movie that just make himself look good. Okay, so we had a theory that like everyone in this film, mm-hmm. all the major stars look awful yes and they well, are yeah okay i don't want to say like famous movie stars well, okay. well, Michael here's, here's, some, here's something that we have <laughs> yeah, to talk yeah, about exactly. how the hell does frank d'angelo get these actors so uh the story goes he shoots these films in two to four days the sets are very well catered because he owns a restaurant and he pays all of the actors in cash in a briefcase. Yeah. So they do their work and when they leave, they get paid. And supposedly the actors just love working on his sets. So you get yeah. people like James Caan. Eric, they're in and Eric out, Roberts. Who's in Sicilian Vampire. That's right. In an interview, yeah, he said that I only did the job because I just got out of a divorce and he paid in cash. <laughs> It's a professional. I think he like owns yeah. all the equipment. He has mm-hmm. like a red camera and like all the lighting. Yeah, I equipment. mean that's another thing is these movies uh, technically look very good. They're well, very good. okay, okay. I, Let's rewind. They're not. They're <laughs> in that. In that they're all like in focus and not always. <laughs> they're they're the 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 equipment that was used it's, is good. It's, com- it's yes. It's, it's competent. It's competent. It's lit. Yeah. Good cameras. Everyone is in color. Yeah. <laughs> no one is in black and white. You can tell that he shoots every scene with like three cameras. Yeah. So if there's two actors, it'll be on them, and then there'll be yeah. a wide of both it's of them. It's probably efficiently because shot. This is essentially a John Cassavetes film yeah. because oh, like so imp- much improv. Oh, the improv. Yeah. You know, this, these theaters. So this is something yeah. that we noticed during the movie. It's like, you ever watch uh, actors just floundering you know what i mean it's like clearly it's like there's no script here but yeah. they're trying to improv and it's like nothing is clicking and yeah. there's no there's nothing's gelling they have an idea of what the scene is supposed to be but they're just yammering on yeah and it's like frank was like just just keep going just keep like, going to keep fill, going fill three minutes this movie is so padded the runtime is what is it an hour and 15 minutes yeah it's and short. just the first scene the fo- okay so uh, what's his michael Perret is yeah. at the office with eric, with eric oh, yeah. with with Eric Roberts and his house is going to be foreclosed and for some reason uh, Eric Roberts calls Frank D'Angelo and he's <laughs> I think that's a completely separate thing no, I thought it was no, tied it, into it was, to Michael Perez well, he, was, he was telling him that he uh, was the CEO of something right yeah and he said oh we have a delivery for like 8 million dollars yes <laughs> that's right you need to come in and you're thinking okay this has something to do with Michael Perez it doesn't it, has, it doesn't no okay. it's like Nothing a whole uh, crash situation right. what I was saying is so he gets this call in bed and is wife is like answer the phone it's 5 30 in the morning and he's like who'd be calling me at 5 30 and frank ring, this ring, scene goes on ring. so long and it's just and then and she's like oh i'm not gonna answer it eric roberts is like 
Oh, I guess I'll call again. <laughs> ring, ring, ring. Answer the phone. All right, I'm answering the phone. And then he answered. Well, who is it? Who is oh it? This, so this goes on for like 10 minutes. Well, Frank D'Angelo <laughs> just wanted to prove how strong he is because like many great men, he's wearing... A hundred pounds of jewelry just and like sleep, silver bracelets, necklaces, rings. and rings, and yeah. just jewelry. He looks like a gimmick wrestler, like it's, like the Diamond King or it's something. So like funny. That. Like, oh. And this, scene, I don't even think he opens his eyes. He's just sort of on the phone talking. And the scene, and you're Frank just Angel like, sleeps with his eyes open, so he can always be aware. Of what's and then going when he's on open, his, his, when he's awake, his eyes are closed. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's amazing. And this scene goes on so long. This scene, I think, is longer than the actual plot proper. Like, well, the, it's the, not the bank. Robbery. There's no plot, right? It just kind of stuff happens. Wait, sorry, April. What was your favorite part if, of the movie? <laughs> I we got know. off track. Think, I, think I, hard. Well, okay, no. I actually, I it is the competency of the technical aspects. <laughs> wow, um, that's a low bar. <laughs> they got a everything is in focus. They got a red camera. I hear um, from Colin. That's what he told me. I think so. I think that was in the James <laughs> Conn article. He said, like, "Oh, that they shot with a well, red camera." It, they interviewed. Uh, they talked about Frankie D'Angelo. They yeah. said, "Oh, he has like a red cam and all this sort of stuff, and everything's very professional mm-hmm. and efficient, and, and it moves blah, blah, quickly." Blah. Well, I was gonna say like if they uh, are shooting this in a day and a half, they obviously have to do things quickly. So they also that also means they have to have a crew that is like, okay, let's get this done. You so know? you're just like very impressed by the efficiency the, of the yes, crew. The what is it like the. Shot two days. The I could have sworn it was shot five days. of effort, you know. <laughs> yeah. they just barely... I, I've been on film sets and commercial sets and music <laughs> video sets, and yes, there is not much movie here, mm-hmm. but if they really did shoot this in a couple days, I am actually really yeah, impressed. Yeah, it's pretty impressive, but you can, like, you can, you know, they... There's obviously, on, there's, there's sound. Obviously, there's... <laughs> hey, the sound... It, uh, wh- I it's have to not say, all overdubbed. A lot of it is. I but. have to say, it's like, you know, there, there are no major issues, like sound issues or glitches or shitty effects or anything yeah. like yeah. that. Everything is just... Well, you didn't mention that news broadcast that happens. Oh, boy. Uh, what yeah, about it? that's some <laughs> shitty news uh, graphics on screen. But it ah, was whatever. all in focus. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> Everything <laughs> is in color. <laughs> I give it four stars, all in focus. So they, again, talking about going back to the padding, they have this what is it like SNN or something the yeah. fake the fake CNN with the crawl oh my god and they have this this boring guy interviewing this incredibly boring woman another old woman there's a lot of elderly people in this movie everyone in this movie is older than Frank D'Angelo <laughs> of course everyone. because he's the young hot uh, lead <laughs> yeah that's why you want to like stand beside somebody shorter than you so you appear taller at all times uh, exactly. which comes uh, full play back into our next movie uh, with Emilio Estevez exactly yes but he interviews this woman um like three times. Well, we have to talk about the plot. So basically, Michael Pere. <laughs> I, I thought I said the whole plot already. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah. Michael Pere is on the rocks. He robs a bank. Yeah. Michael Pere, Michael Madsen. Uh, Daniel Baldwin. Yeah, so, Baldwin. Yeah. The lesser Baldwin. This could be like uh, real life as well. So they're all on the rocks. <laughs> and they oh, have. Frank, that's only shot in two days. <laughs> no. Uh, Frank D'Angelo just set up the scenario and he's like, we'll be following you with cameras. Michael Madsen. And you just do it for real. Michael, Michael Madsen, Daniel Baldwin, and Michael Pere uh, are on the rocks they need money badly and they have to do something that they'll regret in order to make ends meet and Michael Madsen's and then, uh, like Michael Perret come join us come join us and you know when you join any kind of gang what happens Colin? He joins their gang and then we get a montage of Michael Perret's head being shaved and then it somebody gets a tattoo. huge tattoo on the side of his neck. And I this guess. is all at the bar they're at. All in the same day. Yeah. yeah so and obviously they couldn't get another location okay, or whatever. Now, I have to say, it's like Michael Perret has an amazing head of hair before the, <laughs> before the shaving scene. It's okay. Uh, it's no, so it's like, like bald guy, like gel your hair to make it look like it's oh, all it's hair. all like floppy, you know, whatever. I think it was nice. real hair. It looks yeah, like, it was his real it, hair. It looks like yeah. a big thick head of hair. It and does then, not look like a thick head of hair. <laughs> not after. They shave it. <laughs> it's thinning. after they shave it. He looks like he has like the mange or something like that. That's what. That's <laughs> what's so weird like though. Yes, he it's all patchy but and weird. You, you would think that they would like cue properly him. shave his head. They would make yeah. him a skinhead because they are actually anti-Jewish people. Because mm-hmm. there's this whole like element to the bank robbery of we're sticking it to the Jewish people oh, because who are taking his house. owning all the banks and they are right. running everything. And this is the element 
offensive. So this is like a anti-Jewish gang, I guess. Yeah, they well, just hang out at Paul Sorvino's bar but, all day. Yeah, Paul Sorvino. Italian. Who just sits behind the bar and doesn't really do anything. He doesn't really do anything. I don't even think he but has then a line. Daniel Baldwin and Michael Madsen have huge long hair. <laughs> And neither of them have tattoos on their necks. It's just a power trip. It's an initiation. (laughs) Yeah, that's Uh, right. And they make a lot of, uh, as the newscaster says... Anti-Judaism comments. That's <laughs> true. This, this Which bank, again plays back into the fact that there's no script. The for bank this. has like Hasidic Jews in it, and uh, so like rap, they look like rabbis basically. <laughs> yeah. And the the strongest man <laughs> on earth that's not Frank D'Angelo. Oh, Robert, Robert Loja. Which yeah. you know what is going to be my favorite thing. That's your favorite thing is Robert Loja. He is the <laughs> who is Robert Loja for people that don't know. Well, uh, he was in Independence Day one and two. <laughs> oh man, on the doors of death. I think I in don't part remember two, him in that. Uh, he's always like uh, talks like this. And but yells. what was his character in Independence? Day? He was like some general or something like that. Uh, okay, yeah. And then they that, brought him back. He was on something. Death's Door in the second one, so I think they filmed him against green screen, and then Rick Baker. Stan Winston puppeteered him. <laughs> There's this Rick Baker's like, I may be retired, but I'm gonna come back for one thing. So that a giant was... Robert Loggia puppet. <laughs> that could have shot though. No, around a living the same Robert Loggia puppet. This they was just, 2015. Like... This was sh- we know this was shot in 2014 because there's mm. calendars at the D'Angelo Beverage Empire right. office. But Robert Loggia, you don't see him moving or walking. He's just standing. He just happens to be a person in the bank, and then yes. uh, him up. And they're trying things. to they're trying to like threaten him. I think Daniel Baldwin. Put puts a gun to his head and then Robert Loge is like, I've seen the devil and you're nothing. And then he pulls off his blazer and shows them the the like Auschwitz tattoo or something. Oh, yeah, that that was, just like that the was old cool. German guy in Monster Squad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Michael Madsen or Daniel Baldwin hit Robert Loja across the face and he's like, you punch like, like a girl. A girl. <laughs> and they then, didn't really punch him. They like cut away. It was very bad. As they were, they were punching but it and it was no, like no, they cut to black. I love, I love Robert Loja in this movie and at the end, so uh, there, there's a big sort of shootout and uh, you know, <laughs> a Michael, big shootout. Big no, shootout no, what happens is Michael Perret goes shootout. to an office. Frank D'Angelo heroically like jumps in front of the gun and takes a bullet. Takes control. a bullet and uh, you do not realize he's shot for like 20 minutes because he's so cool he, he just moved beyond the pain not even breaking a sweat not no. even he was know, acting he undid one more button on his shirt <laughs> mm. just to show that chain yeah he's like you know how rich i am yeah, i'm rich and um <laughs> frank <laughs> gives a speech to michael parade that essentially boils down to stop this bank robbery and i'll pay off all your debts <laughs> yeah it's like i'll, I'll get you the best lawyer yeah, yeah. this will be just like a bad nightmare or bad <laughs> <Yeah>. dream <laughs> does michael parade fight back at the end i guess he does he does but then he gets shot really like frank d'angelo films they take place in a universe where there's only frank stuff like when people turn on the radio it will all be songs sung by that's frank. another thing yeah and he can't <laughs> resist and characters will be like mm, this is a good song they always like, always yeah. working it in to compliment himself. It, it's like you know like the genie wishes which is like <laughs> what would you rather have everything tastes like poo or when you turn on any listening device it only plays frank d'angelo <laughs> movies and music I, and I, Frank I, was like, oh, I'll take that second one. Yeah. <laughs> the second one. Well, he would because, again, Vanity Project, so he t- can just do everything. Do you think anybody watches this movie and is like, ah, Frank's a good guy? Uh, probably his friends. Yeah. You know, and I'm yeah, sure, probably. of well, which I'm sure he has a lot. He's Okay, but I have to I have to go back to my favorite thing, the Robert Loja thing. Yes. <laughs> and at the end of the movie, Frankie wrenches the gun out of the... <laughs> Frankie. <laughs> Only his friends call him Frankie. Sorry, Mr. D'Angelo. Yeah, there you go. He rips the gun out of the, the cop's uh, hand and shoots uh, Daniel Baldwin and Michael Madsen and then somebody says all the cops burst in and they're like oh uh, they're injured you're get, a hero no you get a get a stretcher and then Robert Loja goes you know only for these guys and then he looks at uh, the bodies of Daniel Baldwin and Michael Madsen he goes get some garbage bags for these two pieces <laughs> of shit <laughs> It's like, who is this man? It was like, he just happened so to be awesome. in, in the band. And he says it with such contempt. It's well, amazing. We're so, like, when he appears on screen, I get so excited that he's going to, like, beat up the guys. Oh, but, yeah. I mean, he's, he's fairly old. old. That's oh, not going to happen. Well, when he started taking off his blazer, I was like, oh, he's going to go fisticuffs. Yeah. Like, I mean, we miss a very important subplot of the film, which is the fact that Michael Perret's mother played by a On the Doors of oh Death Oh my god. That, that was right. horrifying So there's another set in in this movie, which is hall. the bingo hall. And uh, 
It's uh, Margot Kidder and uh, Doris Roberts <laughs> in her last film role, the mother from uh, Everybody Loves, loves Ray- Raymond. Ma- oh Everybody loves Raymond and uh, Grandma's Boy. I have to say that <laughs> she. Boy. I have to say she looked younger than Margot Kidder. Yeah, and I this it pains me to say this. But and Margot Kidder's still alive. She died. No, she no. died. Okay. She died uh, uh, a few months ago. I think. Yeah. Really? It was yeah. Pretty, it was this year. Oh right. Yeah. Maybe I did hear about that. But, but uh, uh, you know what? A- At least Margot, like she showed up. She's got some spunk. Yeah, she does. She's got some attitude. She's uh, almost unrecognizable, unfortunately. Listen, we all get old, April. I, I know. Yeah, I know. Get old. But she looks very... I know she's had a lot of uh, mental issues and drug issues. But and yeah, like she, out of all the old biddies, she <laughs> was uh, She was the best. Um, she reminded uh, me of like kind of Carrie Fisher... Uh, yeah, but, but not. She's no, less. I get you. More she, far gone, far gone than she Carrie came to the same era, but, but she's got the same kind of spunk. Yeah. What and, was the other woman? Doris. Something? Doris Roberts. She so. had this ridiculous speech. What, what was it? Was it my son <laughs> my, committed my son, suicide? My, yeah, my son died of a heroin overdose. You still have your son. You still committed have your son. Was she, was she acting like that, like in character, or is she actually like that? Like she know. seems very spacey. Well, yeah, she's she, out of it. Her eyeliner uh, all over the place. Too. Yeah. Well, here's like, what I'm guessing she was probably on like some kind of heavy pain medication but she was also like crying but then it kind of looked like she was kind of laughing but you know what she was probably thinking about the check that she was going to be getting (laughs) frankie frankie (laughs) sorry mr d'angelo mr d'angelo off screen opening the briefcase of money he's like uh where's my eyeline at this briefcase and i mean we have other stars like uh, peter coyote shows up as the commissioner and um, Eric Roberts, of course, is in this. And uh, as Colin pointed out, the lost member of uh, SCTV. <gasps> Tony Rosado. <laughs> I couldn't believe he was in this. And I was Tony watching Rosado. him. Everybody remembers all the members of SCTV. John Candy, uh, Martin Short, Joe Rick Flaherty. Moranis, Joe Flaherty. And uh, Tony Rosado. <laughs> no, he, was in, he came in later seasons. So with... he wasn't at the SCTV reunion that they shot? <laughs> I don't think I, he was. Uh, maybe he was. No, actually, my friend went, and I think he said he wasn't there. Do you think he was like, I'm really busy. I don't have time to he, come. He can't, I'm shooting a movie with Frankie Frank D'Angelo. D'Angelo. He's got all that Frank D'Angelo money. Did you money. guys pick one other weekend than this one? It was yeah. with, uh, he came in with Robin Duke. They were like the kind of two that came in at the very end of SCTV's run. But uh, come on, uh, Chick Monk. <laughs> sorry, Mark. Sorry, I'm sorry. You wanted to talk, but that um, April, hay bale or whatever was just blowing through. That was the, the tumbleweed. Tumbleweed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, April, you're gonna have to edit crickets in there. Uh, uh, Marcello Sebastiano. Marcello. No? I got gotcha. you. Oh well, whatever. <laughs> Jesus Christ, guys. I wasn't born Sorry. when that was on the air. Sorry, I only Colin. caught, I only caught some reruns, and I definitely do not remember that person. So uh, if you want to check out the of uh, the Frank D'Angelo, No <laughs> Deposit is the perfect place to start because it's like 79 minutes. It's short. And all the other films are like two to two and a half hours. Too much. Wait, so are they all that length? Yeah, like, other than after, this like one? Sicilian Vampires that long. Yeah. Um, That's the, the other Red one Maple that I've Leaf heard is of. really long. The Neighborhood is that long. Supposedly he has three movies the coming out this it's year. insane. He's done like eight movies in five years. It's. Uh, I wish I had that kind of worth it. God ethic. damn it. Yeah. Listen, maybe I need to go to my local Indigo bookstore and pick up his Being Frank autobiography, yeah. which he did write and is available to uh, local people living in Toronto. <laughs> Only. It's kind of almost like a Tom Tommy Wiseau situation where it's like, I want to make a movie. I have the money. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make a movie. Yeah, but you know? he never made another movie, really. Tommy, Ooh, Tommy was our yeah. best friends. He didn't uh, direct it, though. That's right. Yeah. Like, it's Frankie... like the idea is like Frank D'Angelo is living in a world where he can just continue to make these. And they always play at the Italian Film Festival in Toronto. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Maybe they'll open at Young and Dundas for a week or two. And then they'll just disappear. Do you think that people, like local film goers in Toronto, are like tricked into seeing these movies? No. I don't think anybody <laughs> goes to them. Like, nobody I think goes? Nobody goes. No, no, his no. friends I, and extended yeah. family. I have a <laughs> feeling. Well, literally, uh, like when IMDb used to have the comments section, you'd always see comments. And here's something that uh, if you go to any of his movies on IMDb, and then they have the user reviews mm-hmm. stacked with ten out of tens, suspicious ten out of tens that all appeared on the same day, and they said, "I was at the premiere. This is the greatest movie I've ever seen." 
and I think what he does is he'll pay people. Yeah, or, of course. Uh, it's all his family members and friends and employees probably that mm-hmm. actually go to the. I mean, the thing about screenings. movies like this is that like people don't have to go see them. No, like they exist, and if he just wants to keep making them, more yeah. power to him. It's he can fine. just keep trucking. He made a movie called The Last Comic, where he plays a stand-up comic that supposedly Robert De Niro came an inch from acting it. Oh my well, that god, that would have been that would have been something. a coup. And yeah. then uh, Robert De Niro like went online and he's like, "Who? What the fuck?" <laughs> but these movies. Movies aren't made. Uh, ten out of ten. I guess I will act oh in this God. movie. Are, are these movies not making any money? Do you no, think? No, definitely not. I How would they make any money? We pay for it. <laughs> yeah, you on iTunes. Exactly. And okay, here's the rub. It's like six ninety nine to rent on iTunes. Every I could rent like the Avengers Infinity Wars for five ninety nine, and I'm paying six ninety nine for a fucking. No because deposit. he's like, I gotta skim it off the top. <laughs> he's probably no. He's like the Beatles. He can like dictate the price on iTunes. <laughs> he's yeah. that powerful. He's like, oh, I want to. My song's of a dollar twenty nine. Like D'Angelo's voice. No. I want to know why Frank D'Angelo has a Brooklyn accent. Does he? <laughs> hey, he grew up in Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I'm, I'm not. I'm ha- walking here. Yeah. <laughs> At least in the movies, you know. Because he's a great actor. Of course. But speaking of great actors, uh, the star of the second film we watched, uh, Emilio Estevez. My God. Emilio. Maximum Overdrive. Yeah. What's Maximum Overdrive, April? Well, it's this interesting movie uh, about cars who come to life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's, that's Say no more. Line. I'm sold. I'm sold. Let's <laughs> watch it. That's well, who takes pitch. my money? Uh, directed by Stephen King. It's his directorial debut and his last directorial uh, effort. I think he said all he needed first to say with this movie. Yeah. Was that his first directorial debut? Yeah. Yes. First and the last. only one and he ever last. did. Yeah. Uh, he was notoriously uh, blasted on cocaine through this entire production and he says he doesn't remember much. Hey, he doesn't. He didn't know what he was didn't doing. He didn't know what he was doing. Him. Uh, it has an insane cast. Emilio Estevez, Yardley Smith, the commissioner from the Tim Burton Batman movie. Pat Hingle. Pat Hingle, who is probably the most colorful character. He's spe- hilarious. Speaking of crazy accents, I couldn't understand what he was saying for half of this movie. <laughs> speaking of master of accents, Emilio Estevez, uh, centerpiece of this film, wow. as a short order cook who just that got out of Definitely jail. a short order cook. Okay. <laughs> Colin, you love to make jokes about Emilio Estevez being short. Is that something that was like happening in the 80s because I'm not very familiar with these jokes. No. I feel like there were more shorter movie stars yeah, in the Estevez. 80s. Well, it's like Tom Cruise, Michael J. Know, Fox. Yeah, it was Michael very J. Fox. Short. But yeah. he was always short. He never, they never like raised Michael J. Fox. But up. it's kind of comical <laughs> in this movie because, you know, uh, Emilio is probably like three inches shorter than the love interest. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know he's standing on an apple box that's like nine inches tall. <laughs> so, I mean, Emilio supposedly was coming off of the hits that he made like The Breakfast Club yeah and he was uh, shooting with this it's a giant cast of actors to the Mm -hmm. point that you're like I don't know who any of these people are Yeah. yeah and if you don't know what the plot of Maximum Overdrive is it's that a meteor passes over Earth <laughs> and that uh, all I guess technology becomes it's, sentient it's and very evil. vague it's like it's a little vague. So watch out for those pop machines, because yeah. they will kill you. A- ATM machines, sprinklers. They're going to call you assholes. It, yeah, <laughs> so Stephen King gets a cameo. Uh, first of all, check out the trailer. Oh, like the kind of teaser the trailer. The trailer is so good. It is amazing. I think it might be more famous for that trailer, because Stephen King is in it. Yeah, he looks right into the camera. <laughs> he's, he's doing like a kind of Hitchcock thing, where he would appear in the teasers and mm. talk about the movie, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. And he's like standing in front of like the Green Goblin truck that's in the <laughs> yeah. movie. Yeah. And he's being blasted with like, uh, it's like by lighting. It's like the purple yeah. and the blue. You probably hear like uh, uh, ACDC who did the whole score of this film. Like, <laughs> and he says, he is so cross-eyed from cocaine. Like his <laughs> eyes are popping out of his head. His big line is, I'm going to scare the, the hell, hell out of you. And he points at the camera and his eyes are going in completely different directions. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. It's, it's frightening. More, Maybe more frightening than anything in the I movie. I love the idea that Stephen King made this movie and he's like, this is terrifying. Because there is nothing scary about this movie. I, no, I no. wonder though, like... I'm guessing that he kind of did he get carte blanche and yes, was like absolutely. make a, a, a movie out of any of your stories yeah. maybe they were like choose a short, short story who knows this but... was a film produced by Dino De Laurentiis oh, oh, hey Dino's back on the hey, the 
thanks for having me back. I was here last week. Why'd you give uh, Stephen King a job? Why is it Stephen King? <laughs> you got me there, do you hey. know? And so Stephen King, I guess he's trying to do a riff on Night of the Living Dead where like a bunch of people get trapped in one location. Instead of zombies, it's trucks and right. vehicles in this mm-hmm. one. Yeah. So what was your favorite part, Colin? Well, first of all, there's actually a lot of good things about this movie. Like... On the technical side. Okay. Colin's so, favorite no thing is going to be, it's competent. It is in, uh, in focus, and everyone, again, is in color. Yeah, all right. All moving right, on. Right. Hey, <laughs> all right, Colin. Well, I'm going to say, uh, the very beginning of the movie, there's kind of like a, a raised bridge that goes up. Yes. Mm. And all the traffic is kind of caught on the bridge, and this is like one of the first scenes where we see, oh, well, the machinery is going wild. And uh, the kind of bridge, you know, raises up. All the cars are on it, and uh, cars are shits flying off the cars. And watermelons, watermelons, lots of watermelons. <laughs> and it's like the watermelons are shot as like grenades. They're like slow, slow motion, motion and they make a noise through like, windows. <laughs> if you think about it, watermelons are pretty heavy. Yeah, yeah. So if one of that you came, at, hit by came at you. Yeah. At and if those watermelons speed. became sentient, watch out! Oh my god! Uh, Stephen King's like listening. He's like, I got an idea for my new book. Yeah, perfect. Some overdrive ah, too. Me, Stephen, King. Stephen King. I'm gonna scare the hell out of you again. <laughs> They'll call it um the pits. Get me my blow. <laughs> watermelon seeds or something like that. April, I want you to co-write it with me. It's yeah. me, Stephen King. The watermelon um, seeds go through you. But this scene, yeah, the, yeah, it's like you didn't even hit me, and then he takes like, a glass of water, and the thing goes out of his body. It's just cocaine pouring out of the holes. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, this scene is fantastic. There's lots of uh, amazing stunt work. There's yeah. great like people going through wind shields of the cars and you it see is like a motorist being like whoa and like and it's it's like real glass it's not mm-hmm. that kind of crappy mm-hmm. shit it's real glass oh yeah <laughs> it's not cg glass no breaking not, not sugar like, nothing glass. worse than cg glass only thing worse than cg glass is cg fire no, CG blood. Ooh. CG blood. Ooh, yeah, Ooh that's speaking like of CG Trinity. blood, I would say there was say CG, CG blood. Fire in... is less offensive than CG blood. <laughs> there was CG blood in the last movie. I forgot to mention that. Which Uh-oh, one? Frank, uh, no deposit? No, it was all practical. Uh... Yeah, it was all CG blood. <laughs> there was CG blood spot. Yeah, Frank Deanna was like, yeah, I'll give you next 200 if I can actually shoot you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was like them shooting in real time. And then Michael Madsen's like, ah, I am bankrupt. Okay. Wait, okay, I have a question. How is Michael Madsen like a bankable name? <laughs> that like people, you're at Redbox and you're not. like- not. He is, because he's, he's obviously someone that, like... He's it, recognizable. Hey, remember that time he was in Reservoir Dogs? Yeah, that's yeah. the only that's, movie that's I can pretty think much of. It. From what I know about him, he is, like, in drunk. insane debt. Yeah, oh. And is always drunk, yeah, like, and, like, Quentin Tarantino just hires him... I yeah. love gambling. Like, I think other, me, other, Michael other Michael Madsen movies I know. <laughs> Kill Bill... And Blood Rain. I can't, Blood Rain. Blood Rain is completely drunk. I yeah. can't think of any Christina other Logan. Michael Madsen uh, movie. But it's true. He is uh, like... Look at his IMDb. He has 200 plus credits. That's insane. Oh, yeah. So somebody's watching Michael all, Madsen All films movies. like probably overseas or... Yeah. It's or like, straight to video. It's, straight to video. All international yeah. buyers are like, ooh, Michael Madsen, we can sell that. That's why like Frank packs these movies with those people. Yeah. Even though that, like, you know, no one's like, Robert Loja, ooh, yeah, let me sign on. It, it's like one of those things, I think, where if it was only one of them, it would yeah. be like, oh, who cares? But it's like, holy it's, shit, it's this like has... Voltron? This, like, this, has like, together. this has, like, 30 yeah. has-beens. Yeah, where they need to all be over 70. Yeah, where they combine into one thing, and it's like, you know... I mean, we true. talked about, like, if Frank came up to you, Colin's like, I want you in my movie... Yeah, and I'll pay you in cash. How much would I have to pay you? I'll give you five thousand dollars for a day shoot. Sure, dude, I would do it just to be like a fly on the wall. You, on that pl- set. you play a pedophile uh- <laughs> named Colin Cunningham. Ah, oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> he's like, as you're filming, he's like, I listen to your podcast. No wait, okay. this is not a movie. I'll say, it's a okay, snuff film. I'll do it if my character's name is Will Sloan. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Signed. Signed. And you're like, you're like Robert De Niro. You're like hanging out with Will, asking him questions, like recording it to get his voice down and yeah, stuff like right. that and his mannerisms. Just study. Just so study. You do it for free, April? Um, yeah. They're like, I want you to play like a shrewish woman who's like, get out of my house. I oh, actually, would, I feel like I would have so much fun with that. I would uh, actually love Michael that. Michael Perret's wife in this movie. Oh, like, it's oh like also. That wake up scene where she has um, like two bottles of uh, vodka. Who's the her. guy that plays Michael Perret's brother who kicks him out? Art the, Hindle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The shirtless guy. His, uh, not that this is a big deal or anything because it's like this in every bad movie, but his wife looks like his daughter. Yeah, he does. <laughs> she's and she's Art way Hindle, too young. Art Hindle? Art Hindle, yes. Hindle uh, looks, I thought it was Michael Perry's dad. Yeah. <laughs> yes. No, me too. He looks much, much older. Listen, Michael Perry takes very good care of himself. He does, <laughs> clearly. 
Uh, uh, April, what was your favorite part of Maximum Overdrive? <laughs> oh, yeah, let's get back to this. Maximum Overdrive. Oh, um, man. <laughs> oh yeah. God. I got uh, to say the music. And, oh, yeah. um, the all ACDC soundtrack. Yeah, and I think that this is like, I don't think I've seen a movie that has had an all like metal if you can call it metal um like that type <laughs> of rock soundtrack all by the same band and it's just like uh it's not just you know the hits they <laughs> they, they they wrote a few songs but it's also like the incidental music and the weird thing about the soundtrack is like it takes the tension down in this movie. It does, yeah. If you completely swapped <laughs> off this soundtrack for something a little more traditional, a little Bernard more Herman. Scre- exactly. <laughs> so there's a scene where there's a little boy, uh, you know, a younger boy on a bike, and he's riding down the street and he's seeing all these dead bodies but they're all kind of in these like comical situations <laughs> like someone was strangled by their hair dryer yeah or... there's a person who like their head is stuck in the like the car windshield there's a dog with it's a... a dog with a radio controlled uh, police car <laughs> yeah. stuck in its so, mouth so okay so maybe I kind of see why they were kind of going for the slightly more comedic tone because when you play Duh. ACDC during that it's comedic but yeah, it's you like switch, switch that to a symphonic score and it would have a completely different tone Home. Yeah, and that girl being strangled by the cord on her hair dryer would be like horrific. <laughs> that could have oh, happened to me. Oh my yeah. god! There she was burned. Who made who? Who made who? I mean, this is a film with like not much going on. Like once no. the seventy characters end up at that like um, gas station, they just kind of hang out waiting for stuff to happen. Yeah. all the movie, but uh, yeah, the music does kind of give it this energy. There's a drive to it, I guess. Drive. <laughs> Classic <laughs> Nicholas Winding Refn film drive. drive. Or the Mark DeCascos Kung Fu film drive. You can check both of those out. Oh my God. So yeah. my favorite part is the best part of this movie, which is the explosions. They are fucking amazing. There are so they many did, they, explosions. They spared no They're, expense. No. Yeah. It's like pff, everything, like if a car like, goes off the road, it will explode. It's immediately on fire before <laughs> yeah. it goes off the road. And then you cut to it a couple seconds later, and it just explodes. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's not cool? The Green Goblin car. Try- yeah, I can we talk about that? Oh, come on. It's okay. It's iconic. I wish they had done something that wasn't like it, it has, something I recognized. It has become iconic as like this is what you think of when you think of Maximum Overdrive. But it doesn't do anything. Like if it ate a guy, that'd be awesome. Like well, it like, ah. It, it, did, it, it runs did back so- into that one guy at the very end of the movie. There's some good like people being hit by cars yeah, and exploding more. like blood it, bags. It needed more. It definitely it, needed I, more. It often kind of cut away a little too soon. Especially with the children. But this is not. Yeah. 1987, right? But the issue is that, like, this is a horror film, and horror films, because, like, some of the Friday 13th had gotten by, and that had kind of stirred up uh, controversy. The NPA, yeah, okay. which is an insane organization that nobody knows how it works it's and insane. gets to, like, define all this stuff, yeah, started to, like, weird sh- like shut down uh, on okay. gore in I horror movies. But also, I feel like this is more of an action movie because of the it's explosions, well, the cars. Um, it, it is a horror movie concept. It's it's a pretty like uh, slow, sluggish action. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't say it's action, but it's it's more of like it's, a yeah, kind of, it's horror with explosions, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Pat Hingle, by the way. <laughs> Ooh, uh, MVP who has a armory in the bottom of he's his got station. out of Multiple nowhere just bazookas. shows up with this bazooka and starts and shooting like, missiles. Yeah, fuck you! Oh. You want a wall? <laughs> I mean, the best actor in this is the woman that runs out and she's like, who? No, no, that's no, the ACDC very close. song. She yeah. says, "We made you, we, we made, made you. you," and she's really like selling it. Like she's really drunk. Or the guy that like <laughs> kicks open the door and is like, "What the fuck is going on?" Before being riddled with bullets. Uh, yeah, amazing. that was pretty funny. There's some, I, yeah, there's some good squib work in uh, the, the the cars. Not on Pat Hingle. <laughs> he just kind of like falls over, yeah. bloody chested. They just like painted some like blood spots. I bet you on those it. other actors were actually like stunt performers or Maybe. something like that, or locals who didn't know. There were yeah. good stunt men and women in this. Yes, there um, are. I mean, you 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 have to for mm-hmm. for certain certain stuff like this. But I I do kind of wish there was more. I don't know suspense, create, or fun cre- stuff. yeah, creative stuff except for just explosions. Yeah, mm-hmm. the explosions were great, but like you said, we needed more people getting hit by cars and more gruesome and creative different ways. Because like it's yeah. a movie that ends with just Emilio Estevez shooting the Green Goblin truck. It's with very rocket launcher. anticlimactic, and it's like what we've already seen this like a hundred times. Yeah, yeah. And the react yeah. like it's never happened before they're like yeah! they start cheering and then, and then, it then just the blows ACDC up. music starts playing <laughs> yeah, like, 
And then they sail away on a boat, and then there's this terrible title screen that says, Two days later, everything stopped. No, it was like <laughs> a UFO was blown up in space by, by a, like, Russian satellite. a Russian satellite, which happened to be armed with lasers and nuclear so weapons. So it was a UFO and not the comet? But then it also said the comet, and then the comet passed. So maybe yeah. like the UFO And the survivors continued are, are to be still, survivors. Are still survivors. It was a very strange ending. And again, thinking about how it could have been more creative, I would think that Stephen King would come up with some more interesting stuff to put in this movie. So I think that it was mostly he was just too messed up on drugs. Well, I, th- I think or the, thing- the, the the studio was like you can only do so much. Stephen money. King, I feel like as a writer is like very good at characters and kind of hanging out with them. But when it comes to action and stuff like that, he's mm-hmm. not good. Yeah, he's good with ideas, but like you know, there's that famous like Stephen King climaxes always suck. Like endings, like he can't pull them off. Yeah, he has um, like memorable uh, characters yeah. who often have quirks. But I didn't like any of the characters in this movie, no. especially Yardley Smith. Oh, oh yeah, we <laughs> I don't know. Pat, Hing- Pat Hingle. Yeah, I like Pat Hingle. He, he was our right, yeah. Lisa Simpson herself shows up yeah. as, I guess she escaped no deposit or something like Nagging that. Nagging wife. A shrewish wife. <laughs> Who's like, what's going on? All uh, she ever do does it? is scream. That's just her voice, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Stephen We're going to get I've, smushed. I've always liked uh, his short stories. Yeah, I me too. I love his short stories. I love his especially his early short stories. The only ones that I have, like, on my shelf are, like, Night his, Shift, Skeleton Crew, yeah. different seasons, or something like Nightmares the and, Nightmares and Dreamscape. Nightmares and Dreamscape. Yeah, that's pushing um, it a little bit. There's yeah. a few good ones. But, yeah, I've read, actually, um, not a ton of Stephen King, but most of what I have read are the short stories, mm. because they're more, they're easily digested. Digestible, and there's yeah. a lot of good, good ideas. He's a good there. idea man without being the rambly. You know, I don't need this to be a thousand pages. Yes, I, I don't well, need. No the one edits him. Ten, he, the ten thousand page uh, under the dome. Because he writes and he writes without an outline. He yeah. said that himself. That's why his novels feel the way they do. Where you're they, like, they can huh, be a where little, are you going? Yeah, they can be a little rambly. So, so Stephen King, come back to uh, directing movies. I guess uh, that's what we're telling you. Now that you've learned, you've <laughs> aged. I think that you have a maximum overdrive. Can you imagine he comes well, he back with maximum overdrive too? That would be amazing. Yes. He said he wanted to get back into directing. Yeah, and do it sober. Just do it sober. And uh, I think he likes writing too much. He's yeah. actually talked about how like yeah. he can't spend a day without writing. And like yeah, movie making would take that away from it, him. It's too hard. Like directing a movie is very difficult and you yeah. want to you wanna complex. You want to be very passionate about it. You can't just and sort he, of do it willy yeah, nilly. He even said that he he just didn't know what he was doing. Mm-hmm. He wasn't, you know, he had no experience in it. And while this is obviously not a terrible movie, it's it's good, but it has a lot of problems. <laughs> it's competent, but it's, I think it's like a little dull. Story wise, yeah. it's a little slow. It's a little it's, boring. Yeah, yeah. to be boring. honest. It's a movie I really disliked last time I saw, it. and this time I'm I, I'm older, I'm softer on movies like yeah. this. I can enjoy stuff like the ACDC soundtrack sure. and the explosions. Yeah, I th- <laughs> yeah, explosions are fantastic. Just amazing. Um, so you just got a Blu-ray of this, I right, did. Vestron Video, which is a company that's part of Lionsgate, released this on Blu-ray in an amazing special edition where they basically interviewed everyone involved with the film except for Estevez. <laughs> I was going to say Emilio Estevez. <laughs> but everybody else, like special effects, even Yardley Smith gets interviewed on the disc. It has two yeah. commentary tracks. That's great. One of them was a Stephen King expert and one of them was Ryan Turek and um, Jonah Ray, the MST3K guy. And oh. they just talk about how much they like love the film. They've oh, done okay. it before for Chopping Mall. Right. So it's like a great package. has an amazing, like almost holographic cover. Yeah, it's great. Mm-hmm. I would highly recommend it. And like these are the packages that I really like because mm-hmm. especially if it's a movie that doesn't quite work, to see people talk about it and mm-hmm. have to kind of get a handle on it, that's always more fun than a classic. Yeah, it's more mm-hmm. interesting. Exactly. Also, no deposit. Uh, buy it on iTunes. No, <laughs> rent it on iTunes it's, for six ninety nine. It's available to buy or rent off iTunes. You can get um, it from Frank D'Angelo's official website and it'll come with the soundtrack CD which includes a cover of Live a Let Down by Frank D'Angelo. You know, I, I don't need to own that. No. I don't want to have it's that. It's like a haunted object. I don't want to I don't want to have that in my collection. Maybe yeah, it'll not. be like Annabelle or something. I'll put it <laughs> go downstairs and put it in my basement in a glass case. And, and just, like Frank comes to life. <laughs> no, and just put like a sign just says do not open or touch. <laughs> Maybe not, but I, I really do feel like no deposit is, I won't say an anomaly but uh-huh. it, it, it it's like a, a chapter in the booklet of all of these weird vanity projects which are often make these bad movies so hilarious 
I would 100% recommend seeing this any way yeah. that you yeah, can. Yeah, absolutely. And, but it's it's not on the level, say, of like The Room or any Neil Breen's work where it's so bad you have to see this movie. No, but it's... it's just a very accessible kind of yeah. bad movie. Yeah. Bad movie. Like, People you yeah. recognize. Yeah. I've been hearing about this for years. Years. And uh, <laughs> I can't believe it's taken me this long to watch yeah. it. And I do get the sense that this is probably the best of his movies. Yes, 100%. Um, yeah, that's kind of what everybody says, although I would like to check out Sicilian vampire at some point because it's Frank D'Angelo as a vampire. Come on, man. That's, I think that sounds hilarious. How will the greatest man on planet Earth deal with blood sucking capabilities? Are we going to talk about the, at the end where he's being led away on a, on a stretcher? <laughs> right. And there's a line of people, characters that you've seen in the movie, come the, up to, to him tell one him by, how amazing one he is. One by one, tell him how amazing he is. You're better than is. all of us. You're better than You're all of us. So I was brave. expecting like the stretcher to sprout like angel wings for him to yeah. fly up to heaven. As, like, the Michael Perret only gets visited by Paul Servino. And his mother's friend, who's like, your mother couldn't make it. She Margot Kidder couldn't even make it. And then we just had to, like, yeah. you said that maybe we she... got uh, the actor who played the waitress in Pee Wee Herman's Big Adventure. <laughs> it's like Margot Kidder had already like left. Yeah, with Superman. <laughs> what if I could read your mind? But she just actually just jumped off a building. So sidebar off uh, what we were just saying. Uh, another very short recommendation I have to say is Neil Breen's Twisted Pair. We saw it recently in Toronto, and it is. Uh, uh, having a not a wide release, a limited release right now uh, in uh, USA and Canada and Europe. Oh, really? Yeah, it so was an amazing the film movie. About, like him spraining his groin, right? Twisted pear. <laughs> oh yeah, he twists. That's what I assumed, but apparently right. it's a, it's about him and his doppelganger, his evil twin. Yes. I'm sure uh, many of you listening know about Neil Breen. If you don't, seek out Neil Breen's movies. They're all hilarious and they're amazing, and they are the ultimate vanity project. And if you are, uh, if it's playing in your town, you have to go see it if you have an opportunity to see it with yeah, an audience. It's, because it's very fun to see in a theater with an audience. It's amazing. It and was. I I, no, I I I don't even have any words. It was for sold how out when we saw. It was a crazy crowd. Yes. Uh, very respe- more respectful, I think, than uh, pass through. Oh. Yeah, well, pass through was the most miserable yeah, theatrical experience I've ever had. I wouldn't had. say that, but it, I hated it, it was so a little much. more the crew rowdy. Got a little rowdy, but uh, Twisted Pair was perfect. It was like I said, sold out theater, so like everybody was sitting right next to you, and everybody was you know keeping quiet, <laughs> quieter with their comments. They were all sitting next to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, every every it was just like it was very lopsided. Everybody was like just piled up on the one everybody side. Was sitting right next to me personally. It's very weird. It was like Clive Barker story about the town that like formed together <laughs> to make a giant person <laughs> that's a deep cut i don't know what it's called but uh, it's called the the, books it's, of blood. it's called the town that was made out of many people <laughs> I'm Clive Barker. Yeah, Neil Breen's movies are no longer on YouTube, as far as I know. We may need to buy, like, the uh, I DVD. I think we have to get them We have all. to buy the DVD we box set. They're going to be cursed objects in the glass cage. No way. Frank These Angelo are... and Neil Breen. No, this will counteract the curse, because they're Neil <laughs> yeah. Breen. Yeah, because Neil Breen believes in killing all evil person yeah, in the world. Yeah, he's, he's like Thanos. <laughs> Yeah, he like snaps his fingers and he'll wipe out half the half the universe. That, be, that, that being said, the new movie has a message of love because just remember after he kills a building of people. <laughs> yeah, but they were bad. They're bad. <laughs> they were, it's like true lies. Yeah, but they're all bad. They're all the bad guys. Everybody, just remember, everyone deserves love. It was it. Everyone deserves love, and everyone deserves to be loved. That's right. So keep keep that in your heart. All right, before we go, uh, I'm just going to read a quick email we got. We got one fan mail this week. <laughs> ah, thank you. Uh, from uh, ML Kennedy, and the subject is, I think I have brain problems now. Oh. Are you saying that, or is that the subject? <laughs> That's the subject. That's the subject of the email. So, you made like a face when you wait, said it, too. You like did. you crossed your eyes. Uh. Stephen King style. I, I, I was acting. This okay. is going to be the scariest thing you'll ever read. <laughs> okay. So I've pretty much listened to all of these podcasts in the past seven days. Oh my it's God. super easy to listen to. You're cursed. <laughs> yeah. I guess at that point we'd had uh, like eight episodes, so one a day. Um, it's super easy to listen to, like a How Did This Get Made podcast, but where the hosts actually seem to know a lot about the movies they watch. Ah, thank you. I've been enjoying Colin being an old man talking about Three's Company. <laughs> What's that show again, Colin? Please explain it yeah, to threes. us. God damn All right, people. Justin describing what generation version of what everything is or aspires to be. And I see April as your leader. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. Good. 
I'm going to be bold and offer you Cowboy Killer as a movie suggestion. Ooh, sounds good. This is, this is a no-budget movie made in Virginia about 10 years ago, which I found quite charming in its goofiness. I looked up this movie. The trailer is hilarious. Uh, tell me how I can see this. I, as far as I could tell, uh, it's not available on, on Amazon, or I couldn't find it to buy or anything like that. Ooh, but always it, a good sign. It's, a, it's like an early, <laughs> it's like a mid-2000s, like, movie about like it's a really really low budget movie but it looks very funny is it anti-cowboy or is it a cowboy that kills i think it's a cowboy (laughs) i think i think the cowboy might be chasing the killer i'm not (laughs) sure i'm not i'm not sure anyway that was from ml kennedy and he also uh was repping his uh kindle book called thanksgiving for werewolves so check that out it's on amazon wait a minute i saw that on twitter Oh, well, maybe, maybe he tweeted, maybe he tweeted at, you. at you. Well, thank you very much for that letter. We will add it to the list because okay. anything was cowboy and killer in the title. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm like, in. I do, obviously, we can, I do research on how to find movies, but some of these uh, movies are a little, like, hard to track down. I don't know. I'm not really up on all of these free streaming websites, and sometimes that's the only way to see these really obscure movies. If you can't, like, buy them off Amazon or rent them off iTunes. Mm-hmm. They're a little hard to see. So if you want to suggest movies, it's very helpful if you tell me how I can see them. And <laughs> also uh, in Canada, especially, it's free. Yeah. We, don't get, we, do, we don't get the same movies. Before that, uh, we can videos. watch your movies, you must answer these questions. No, no we've, we've got It's got to satisfy the can We've con. got legalized marijuana, but... <laughs> We yeah. we can't get the same movie. We get marijuana, but we can't see like Amazon uh, Prime anything. <laughs> Amazon yeah. Prime. Uh, speaking yeah. of that, check out Teddy Bomb on Amazon Prime. Actually, uh, anybody listening to this and is a big fan of April and Colin should check out Impossible Horror. That's oh right. my god! Now What's released that? on Blu-ray. That's your movie. Yeah, you just it's started, a we film just, that I uh, co-wrote and directed. We just saw it the other night at a big uh, mm-hmm. movie theater Blu-ray release party, and it's currently on Blu-ray. You can pick it up at ImpossibleHorror.com. It's got hours of fun. You just hang out with us. April does a commentary track. How many commentary tracks Six. are there? Six. Yeah, there's a great 35-minute making of. <laughs> Watched it last night, loved it. it. Yeah, and everything is commentary, making ofs, all of it. <laughs> it's 20 bucks. You can get it on, again, impossiblehorror.com. And if you put in the code, no bad movies. You'll get a slight Ooh. discount. <laughs> awesome. Wait, what? Yeah. I highly recommend this movie. Uh, I, I I did a lot of post work uh, on it, and I well, appear you're in acting it, it as well. <laughs> yes, I appear in it briefly as well. But April plays a ghost. So if <laughs> even though uh, it is November now, if you're in the mood for something slightly spooky, <laughs> super spooky. <laughs> so yeah, check out Impossible Horror. Uh, also, um, check out Tenny Bomb, which is also available, I believe, to rent on Amazon. You can just Prime watch it if you have Amazon. Prime. It's free. Oh, it's and if free. you watch yeah. it, it gives me money. So do it, please. Thank it's amazing. you. Also a great... Again, it's not available. in the US. Not available in Canada. <laughs> Unfortunately. But it's a great movie. Uh, and if you want to write into the podcast, uh, you can email us at no such thing as a bad movie at gmail.com. If you want to tweet at me, I'm at April at Mansky. Uh, also have Instagram. I'm at J D-E-C-L-O-U-X and then the letter J. And I'm also on Letterboxd. Just Justin DeClue, same spelling. If you want to watch all the crazy movies that I'm watching and keep track. Now I'm Sergeant Zima. It's S G T Z I M A. That's my Twitter. And that's it. Exciting. Oh my God. Yeah, and that's it. So thanks for dropping by. And remember, there's no such thing as a bad movie. Hey, uh, I do not deal right. I beg it to disagree. <laughs> oh, the killer whale. Uh, that is a great movie.